This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. The Lord has said that this month we should focus on divine help. Essentially, it says our month of divine help. So we take our test from the test for the month, which is Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you, says the Lord. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. I want to do my usual call and answer, question and answer. What do you think the title for this one is? Huh? I heard somebody say it somewhere. Huh? The Lord will help me say amen to our sister's prayer. <laughs> I shall be talking to you about fear not. Fear not. One of the most powerful emotions that drive our attitudes, actions, and our achievements as humans is fear. Our attitudes are often driven by fear without us knowing it. You've come across some very rude people, some of them rebellious. You keep wondering why are they doing what they are doing. Some have just got very rotten attitudes. More often than not, they carry some fear with them. You see some people whose actions can simply be described as destructive behavior. They get involved in form of addiction or another. When you look at their lives very carefully, there's a root of fear there. Uh, you probably are quite aware that all achievements are one form or another subject of fear. If you watch football, as I occasionally do, used to a lot, you've seen teams that are doing very well on the pitch. They will be 2-1 up, and they know that it's a match they must win. And suddenly, the other side is pressing. And before they know it, fear will grip them. Rather than press, they start defending. You've seen that before. And if you don't watch it, eventually they will lose it. In exams, people have got what is called brain block. You know that? All due to what? Fear. Fear is a very powerful emotion. And it's everywhere. And it's carried in varying degrees by everyone. I take that again. Fear is everywhere, carried in varying degrees by everyone, with unintended devastating effect that can happen to anyone. So, when you look at the scriptures, there are people that feared. There's something that I call David's evolution of fear. I'll tell you a few Bible verses and just see how this man dealt with fear and how we should deal with fear. In Psalms 55, verses 4 to 5, Psalms 55, verses 4 to 5, David said, my heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death had fallen or have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. That was a great man of God that is not ashamed to say, this is what I'm feeling. I'm practically quaking in my boots. I'm afraid, trembling. He said, even horror has overwhelmed him. But he went on in Psalm 56, verse 3. In Psalms 56, verse 3, he said, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Then, I mean, Psalms were not necessarily arranged in the order in which they were written. But by the time we get to Psalms 34, verse 4, Psalms 34, verse 4, he mentioned that I saw the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Somebody will be delivered from all their fears. That was a man who was severely troubled. 
Even though he was only trying to help the man the Lord has placed over him as a father, but he turned against him. He feared. He called on the Lord, and eventually the Lord delivered him. The same God will deliver you and I. Jacob was another one. Just giving you a quick background that we are in good company. And I will enumerate with you, enumerate for you, a few areas in which we may be afraid ourselves. What about Jacob? Before we go to looking inward, how we may be afraid at this very moment. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, reading from Genesis chapter 32, verses 6 and 7. Genesis 32, verses 6 and 7. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. Everybody says, So. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people <laughs> that were with him. He should have prayed. And the flocks and head. But God still had him concerning the promise that he made him that he would not be destroyed. Let's take Paul the Apostle in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. This was a man who was faced with deficiency and weaknesses. He was not a great orator, but filled with the spirit of any time he wanted to talk to the Corinthians, very sharp people. A little bit opinionated as well. He said, whenever I'm coming to you, I keep wondering, will I mix my statements? Will I stumble over my words? He had fears. Fear of delivery. And so have a look at the scriptures and seen what all these people have been through. I tell you, there's a saying that says that if a child gets to the place of fear, he will fear. Uh, you know, children, they sometimes look as if they are fearless. You, you know that? It's not that they are fearless. So you know their problem? They don't have a sense of danger. Oh, they've not been born before. But occasions when they get to places in life, as some of us are at this very moment, that we are going through situations that we have gotten to the place in which, trust me, fear has gripped us. But don't worry. There's a promise on top of it. And that promise will come to pass. You may be here today and you're afraid. I want to assure you are not alone. And most probably, you are not even the minority. Why did I say that? Because I believe there are some people here who are going through severe hard time. Far beyond what they anticipated. And you came to this town. You see, as if Ah, I know it could be hard, but I didn't know it would be this hard. Some of you have burned the bridge behind you. You look forward, you say, is this what life will be? You look backward, no way of going back there. You look left, you look right, you see people around you, almost the same thing. Fear is real. There are some of us that are in this room. Age is creeping in. And the promise that God has given unto us of a particular blessing, they seems to still be delayed. And fear is speaking loud and clear. If I had occasional moments of panic and worry, there are some, you have fear over the well-being of your children. Will the child live or not? If he lives, will he reach his potential? Will he be able to hold up, or she be able to hold up a job? Or marry? Or take care of himself or herself? We are afraid for them. Medical diagnosis, you are aware of that. Many are afraid of speaking up against injustices at home, at work, and in the community. If I speak, I may suffer more. Know that you are not being well treated at that job. But the fear of losing the job. Is there. In some relationship, it's like that as well. I can't talk. If I talk, it will all still end on my head. Many more are afraid of sharing the gospel. It's as if if you say Jesus loves you, they will kill you. Many more. I'm sure many of us are. And it's fear. Fear of being rejected. Fear of being looked down upon. The Lord will take care of such fears today. Many of us, we are, fear of our, we are afraid, rather, of our past being discovered. 
Daily, you look over your shoulders. You say anything? Ah, I hope somebody did not know. I hope somebody did not know. And fear of death is real. The fear of death is real. It is the big one. Some of you, you worry. You love your travels. It goes offshore or come onshore, wherever. Even short journey out of the house. There's a delay of like 10 minutes. Start worrying. I hope nothing has happened. Oh, yes. Truth be told. Oh, it becomes one hour. Ah, panic is setting. All these things are real in our lives. But the Lord says, fear not. And you probably will say, really? That's why I took my time to enumerate them. I could have just spoken generally. So I brought them so that you can remember some of those things. And God said, fear not. He said, Lord, fear not. When I'm not sure of tomorrow. And the Lord is saying, yes, don't be afraid. And the reason is because I am with you. Amen? Amen. So very quickly, I give you five implications of I am with you. Or five implications of God being with you. Amen. So God does not say things without backing it up. If he says, I am with you, he says, fear not. I say, why shouldn't I fear not? And he says, I don't fear now because I'm with you. I say, why? What does that mean? That's what we look at very quickly. Number one, implication. When God says he's with you, you have the best team in the whole universe on your side. You have the best team in the whole universe on your side. God does not travel alone and he does not travel light. When God moves, he moves with resources. When God moves, he moves with angels. When God moves, he moves with people. Because the earth is the Lord. Psalms 24 verse 1. The people and all that dwell therein. I, if I ask you who was the richest man that ever lived, just that's a bit of a diversion or digression. Does anybody know the richest man that ever lived, objectified? Eh? Solomon. No, not actually. By what the world says. Eh? Somebody got it. By Samusa, isn't it? He was a Malian. So the records say, Guinness Book of Records and things. They may be wrong, I was not there. But what I want to draw out of it is that when Mansa Musa is traveling, he moves a whole village. That his train of journey, it could be from the third talk of miles, maybe from Bridge of Dawn all the way to Gagdi. The Thousands of people traveling with him. The caravan of camels and horses and houses that he have made. Because it was a Muslim. When he goes to Mecca, the whole of Mecca will keep quiet. That was just a local champion. A local village ruler by the standard of heaven. When God travels, he does not travel light. Second Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. Just want to tell you, because some of these things we take them for granted. Somebody was leading us this morning, said we take them for granted in the workers' meeting. And we take many things for granted. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, the story was that, did, did we know that story? Do you know that story? All right. The story was that Elisha was in Israel. Hmm? And then he was revealing the secret of the king of Syria unto his own king. So he was the best spy that he could have without leaving his bedroom. God just showed him things. May God show you things. Amen. And we go, oh, it's sweet when God shows you things. And some people, when God shows them things, if some things will happen to them that God has not revealed, they question something. They say, Lord, have I done something wrong? Or is this something must happen? Because everything that happened, you either warned me ahead, and you say, change it. Or you want me ahead? I said, this one will not change. Long story cut short, that was this man anyway. So long story, eventually the king of Syria heard about it. That it was Elisha that was giving him trouble, spying and said, well, this is where the king will come. Don't go there. And so the man moved the whole army to go and arrest Elisha. May you be that big. You don't want to say amen to that one. That it's not just small one or two demons that will be running after you. Don't say amen to that. 
Because you'll be so big that principality will be the one running. But of course, God has got his archangels to protect you. Small people is only small demons. I used to have um, one of our pastors in, in, in uh, Banff, uh, Riverside Church. Uh, he's a prophet. He said, Chris. I said, brother. He said, big anointing, big demon. I said, yes, sir. You know, I pray. I say, ah, I say, big anointing, big demon. And so, anyway, so they sent soldiers unto them. They all soldiers, they were outside. And the servant of the man of God was getting afraid. He said, what shall we do? What shall we do? But hear what the word of the Lord says. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master. What should be the conclusion? We are done for. We are finished. What shall we do? In verse 16. Hear what the man of God. So he answered, what? What? What is the reason? For those who are, are what? That's the reason to not fear. When you know your team is stronger and larger and more equipped. That's the reason not to fear. And in verse 17. Verse 17, please. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may. Then the Lord opened his eyes. Lord, may the Lord open our eyes in this room to know that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then the Lord opened his eyes and the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Hallelujah. God needs to make us see that we are not alone. You have the best thing in the whole universe around you. And if you take your eyes away the Lord, it becomes the main problem. Look out for and focus on the resources on your side. Can I hear you amen unto that one? Whenever you are going through things, search the scripture, listen to testimonies, you will be shocked how much of resources are around you. When Peter was walking on the water, he was okay until he began to look at the problem. And I know it's a difficult thing to do. He said, Lord, look at the problem, but use one eye to look at the problem, the other eye to look at your resource. Eventually, your attention will be shifted away from your problem as you are worshiping God and dealing directly with him. The problem itself will go. What are the parts of your team? Very quickly, because we've got quite a few things to go through in this particular word that we want to share. You have the best and right people. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 and 15, 10 to 15, Exodus chapter 4, when Moses was worried, I can't talk. He did not know that God, who promised that he would be with him, has also got people on his side that he can send to go and help him. Are you worried about where you are? Be aware that God can move anybody to come to your aid. You didn't hear me. He can move anybody. He owns everybody. Those that are willing and unwilling, he will force them to help you. Unless it's not God. And he's God, we know it never changes. So Moses did not know that God has got somebody. He was arguing. God said, look, Moses, don't worry. Don't worry about your inadequacy. Don't worry, you can't talk. And then, in verse 10, God then said to Moses, and Moses rather said to Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you are spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Verse 11, so the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? If I make them, can I not get spare part? Let's start from there. Lord, my time is passing. My body part is breaking down or whatever. And God is saying, who made those body parts? Haven't you heard of testimony before? I live daily to see mighty testimony, live mighty miracles. We wish I experience it. God will give new body parts to his people. Am I not the one who made them? And it goes on in verse 12 to say, when the man was still, he said, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth. And teach you what to you shall say. Hear what the man said. We've done this before, but he said, "Oh my Lord, please send by the ah." You know, I told you that before. That that was the greatest miss of a miracle, because verse twelve, God says, "I made the mouth, isn't it? Go, I will be with your mouth." Meaning what? I will, I will heal you. You stammering? Don't worry. You stuttering? Don't worry. I made mouth. Give you a new mouth. 
The man said, I don't want miracle. Ah, when God speaks to you, in little things like that, God does not insist. Though. And many of us, we've missed things before. Oh, say, Lord, you know, I can't, I can't, I'm not qualified for that job. And God is saying, you, you just apply. And he said, Lord, just give me a smaller one. God may not repeat that offer again. He may not ask you again. That is my fear there. Oh, Lord, you know, I need to make this regular hospital appointment and everything. And God said, don't worry, that's the last time you made that regular hospital because I will heal you. Why don't you say a mighty amen unto that? But you say, Lord, it's okay like that. Let just the medicine they are giving you, let it just work. Why do you settle for that? And God said, okay, if that's what you want, that's what I give you. Be careful. God is saying that child will rise to the highest level. And you are wondering, Lord, let the child just be average. And God said, that's it. He said, as you have spoken, so have I heard. Very, very fearful thing. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand whoever else you may send. He thought that God will have nobody to send. He thought that if not for the mercy of God, you would have been cast out and somebody else raised. Immediately, God told him, okay, I'm now angry with you, young man. And God said unto him, Aaron the Levite, your brother, is he not there? He can speak well. Since you decided to not own this one, I will raise somebody else. He is also coming out to meet you. Ah, we didn't talk about Aaron before. Well, I'm God. As I'm speaking to you, I'm moving Aaron. I beg you, God owns the whole earth. That's why nobody scares me. And that's not pride. No human being. No human being. You are helping me, and you say you are not helping me, I just smile. Because I know before you walk out of my front door that you are not helping me anymore, two God will send to come and help me. I've applied, and you say you are not going to give me, don't worry. He said, God remove you from there, put somebody else who will do it, or God said, okay, I will give him a better one, and I may even become your manager in future. Who are we serving? Why don't we believe in him? Oh, it's all over. The time for me to have this miracle is over. And God is saying it's not over with me. And God can raise a mighty tree from your house. Strong and mighty enough that others will even envy you. Why do you think it's over? If God says, I am with you, it means all the resources in the world, they are with him. Hallelujah. I beg of you, let our attitudes change. And may God of Israel help us. When this man, David, was alone in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, a whole army rose up against him too. Saul, very unfair old man. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his fathers has heard it, they went down there to him. And in verse 2, not only his father's house, who went there with him, and everyone who was seen, Everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. I beg you, is this the kind of army you want? Who will? This God, I fear him. Whoever God sends to you, don't despise them. Oh, David was a very wise man. That's why I say it's a man that you should read him cover to cover. This same group of people that God sent to him, he got and said, that's all I have. He didn't have great men. He didn't have the Abners of this world. He didn't have the Jonathans of this world who were great men. Jonathan, one time his friend, killed. Jonathan should have followed him. He would have been ruse, you know, just continually moan. Oh, Jonathan, if you have been here. Well, Jonathan stayed back at home. He eventually died with his father, unfortunately. Oh, if you had had Jonathan, he would have had no fear. You know, there are some people you want in your team like that. You are aware of that. Say, if you can just have this one. God said, no, you don't need them. I will raise ordinary ones for you. The ones you don't expect. And God raised these ones. This same group, do you know that by the time you get to 2 Samuel chapter 23, they become David's mighty men. Do you know that? It's this same group of people. After them, there are at least like about three giant killers. After them, they have records of exploits that we didn't hear any other king in Israel do. Who turned on to that? Don't despise this or small beginning, including your own life as well. The reason is that when God is the person, and why I know that is that if you don't go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12, that's where we know why David was David. Oh, may God be with us. Amen. In fact, God is with us. May we realize it. 
May we realize it. Oh, may we get to the point of fearlessness. And that can only come when you are where God is. Now Saul, now Saul, now Saul was afraid of. Why? Why? But God had departed from Saul. And the man knew the difference. Oh, he prophesied before now. The middle day was anointed to be king of Israel. And the band, Samuel told him, I said, I said, you become a different man. No? Say so you prophesy. Prophesy in those days that they go into a high level of ecstasy. They begin to speak. Sometimes words could be almost equivalent to speaking in tongues. But don't let me go to that theological conundrum with you. Just leave that for one second. But he was, he was filled with the power of God. Visibly filled with the power of God. And so he knew when God is with him. But there he was. He said, God was with David and that made all the difference. Ah, let me move on. Is it finance? God has got it. Agatha chapter 2 verse 8. You are aware of that? Silver is mine. Gold is. Uh-huh. And God will provide for you. Is it protection? Psalms 91 verse 10. Psalms 91 verse 10. No evil shall befall you. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. I thought you normally say amen in this church. The Lord is saying, because he is with you, let's go, let's finish reading it. Maybe that's why you didn't say amen very well. He said, because you have made the Lord your dwelling. If you go to verse 9 first, please. Verse 9 of that same place. Just a step back so that I can establish it. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. Did you hear that? And so in verse 10, what will happen? No evil shall, no evil shall befall us. In the name of Jesus. No disaster shall befall us. Your life will not collapse. Your future will not become as nothing. As long as the promise of the Lord. And that's one of most of our fears. What will my tomorrow be? At every stage of life we have fear. A toddler is trying to walk. He's afraid of falling down. You are aware of that? <laughs> so we go to nursery. There are some nasty, oh, no, don't, children are children. Don't let me call them big, big bad names. There are some not very nice other children there. And the child is afraid of going the second day. You know that? And it's not looking forward to it. Many of you are not bullied when you are in school. Bless God for your life. I was. I would take pencil to school like this. There's a game we play. They will snatch it from your hand. Did any of you? Snatch, we call it snatch. And I go back home, I say, I didn't see my, oh, my mother, I say, those days, they don't, they should have sent me for counseling. <laughs> Teenagers, they have their fears, don't they? Then young adulthood, fear, marry or not marry. After marriage, uh, job progression or no job progression. Is it not fair throughout? Then you get to a particular age, and then you start thinking, what will retirement look like? Is the pension pot big enough? Then you start worrying over children. That one transfer to worrying over grandchildren. That one transfer to over, over worry over great-grandchildren. Then you start worrying, Lord, when would worry and fear stop? You know what? Cut it today. Let it stop today. <laughs> and enjoy the rest of your life. At every stage of life, we must be aware that we have a God who is with us. Number two. Don't worry, we'll finish it. Number two. What's number one? Another application of God being with you is that you start reflecting his power, his glory, and his character. I like this one. You start to reflect. If God is with you, you begin to, you now start reflecting his power. You start reflecting his glory and his character. We tend to take this for granted. That's the second one I will say we take for granted. In fact, of all the points I will make, this is the one we take for granted the most. We don't know that the longer we stay with God, the more like God we become. You've heard the same before. That when husband and wife have been together for a long time, they start looking like each other. Is that correct? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Should be true, I believe. That's if there's no great disparity between them when they first marry. 
Maybe I should not have said that. But there are sometimes great disparity. They may not look very quite alike. <laughs> uh, you, you can laugh with this man. <laughs> so, but it's true. Actually, the truth. Because I think what happens is that their demeanor begins to be similar. And what makes us is not actually our ray features. Maybe that's what you don't know. Uh, it pays a part. It is the muscles in our faces, how do we manage them? If a person constantly frowns, you have a particular look. If a person have a relaxed look, you have a particular look. So it's not so much about my high cheekbones are high. Or I, no, no, that's not about it. It's actually the way you present your face, and that is changing. So a family in which both of them are relaxed, they have relaxed views. So the way you look at them, you assume or you think they're looking alike. But that's by the way. So when you hang around God as well, you start looking like God. Trust me. Trust me. And that's one of my greatest life desire. Don't forget that the company you keep determines the person you become. The company you keep determines young people. The company you keep determines the person you become. Middle age, young adults and men, middle age people, the company you keep determines the person you become. Old men and women is the same story. Can I hear your amen onto that one? If I've kept good company up to this stage in my life, and I now choose to now keep company with people that are constantly rebellious, everything within, let me use my own church system. Within the church system to which I belong, the phone call is always about money, money, money. Before you know it, it will be seeping out of my speech. There is no moment in life when you don't need to be very careful about the company you pick, you, you choose. Trust me. If you had a company, somebody went back to Africa one time, as we tend to say, went back to Nigeria specifically, and he came back, and he was just talking about, oh, this place, there are many young guys there. We're not even sure the way they make money. I was not working with that guy anymore. No, no, because it was not coming from the angle of people have been dubious. No, well, it was coming from that angle, but he decided to write off everybody, and without knowing it, he was sending himself into poverty. Because it was going to be critical of it. Because there are genuine riches in that place. There are people that I know working with their hands. So he wrote everybody, said, that's no, if I made something like that, there's nobody. I was not keeping company with that person. Not that necessarily I was looking for money at that time. No, no, no. But I don't want my attitude to change. That will start affecting you. The company you keep will determine the person you will become. Watch your company. And nobody is so strong that your company will not affect you. Jesus chose his company. Some of you say, it does not matter. It matters. Oh, we're only hanging out together. I don't smoke with them. I don't drink with them. I don't mess around like them. No, 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 no. You are not that strong. Stop fooling yourself. Nobody is. Especially the force of evil is stronger than the force of good. I don't know when I'm digressing onto that one. I pray before I came, I said, tell them what they want to hear, Lord, through me. If I stop out the prepared script, all well and good. If you need it, hear it right now. Choose your company well. Can I hear amen onto that one? Choose those who love to evangelize. Choose those who talk about righteousness. Choose those who talk about the grace of God. Choose those who talk. Choose, choose, choose. And choose well in the name of Jesus. But the best company is the company of God. It changes also. Oh, God changes us when we're in his company. Acts chapter 4 verse 13, you know it very well. Acts chapter 13, verse 14. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. You know it? Acts chapter. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that what? Nothing more. We just look at them and say, ah, this is the way Jesus used to behave. Fearlessly. Jesus himself was warning them. In Mark chapter 9, verse 19, he was warning them there. That they should be very, very careful and not waste opportunity because he expected some changes in there that was not seen. Their bodies were there. Maybe their minds were not there. And Jesus answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? What does that mean? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. That's when they could not cast out the demon. When they came down from the mountain of transfiguration, they saw him. He said, I've been around you long enough. I should have affected you. That was the implication of that. How long? He said, what's the matter with you? Why don't you just flow with me? I should have rubbed off on you more than this. You're coming to church. God is rubbing off on you. Don't stop coming. Don't deceive yourself. It's after you stop coming for about six months that you know the difference. 
For some people, it might be shorter than that. Live stream, you don't watch. Church service, you don't come. It's a matter of time. You will change. Don't fool yourself. Nobody has that, cap that capacity. I make sure I purposely make sure I train myself. I don't come and preach to you alone. Or else one will be dry. How long will I be with you? But when you hang around God, trust me, you start acting like God. But when is, which is the best way of acting like God? Which is the best way of acting like God? We look at Psalm 2 verses 1 to 4. See how God acts there. Psalm 2 verses 1 to 4. I sense that this is a big story, but uh, we will see. In fact, when I started, the impression I had was that we won't finish it. We may continue later. Psalms 2 verses 1 to 4. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. Hallelujah. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords with us or from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in their reason. That's how God reacts to opposition. He said they are planning, they are plotting. God heard about it. God just laughed. Now, do you know that he also expects that when we hang around him long enough, that will be our normal reaction? That's what the Bible says. So that's what especially said. If you hang around him long enough, if I hang around him long enough, you begin to react as exactly as God reacted. In fact, in Mark chapter 4, 35 to 40, we can't read that one. Jesus Christ showed that exactly. There was storm on the sea. Storms were gathering. Conspiracy of the forces of darkness to drown him was happening. What was Jesus doing in the stern of the, of the boat? What was he doing? He was just as his father was doing. One day in Acts chapter 12, beginning from around verse 6 or verse 2 or so, Acts chapter 12, Peter was to be murdered the second day. What was he doing? He hung around. Jesus hung around God long enough. He became like him. Peter hung around Jesus long enough. He became like him. That's why I said we can be fearless, actually. That is negative fear. I purposely just did not, there's a degree of positive fear that is not, but don't let's muddy the waters. We can. I get to the point in which you had anything you hear, you just shake it off. Just shake it off. You just say, no, we'll come out of it. In fact, you even say, Lord, what are you up to? You must have got some good plans for me out of all this. And that shall be our portion. And even when you go to if you just say it was only Peter alone that was physically with Jesus. There was one other man that was not physically with Jesus. When you look at Paul, the apostle in Acts chapter 27, let's read that one quickly. Just to let you know that all of us, we can get to that point. Acts 27, 21 to 23. But after long abstinence from food, that was when they set out, they were going to Rome, and there was another storm on the sea, and life is about storms. May God quell every storm in our lives. Amen. That you talk so much about storms. His life is about storms. And I think I've thought about it here once or twice as well. A storm rises quickly. Don't let me get diverted. Maybe I'll come back and teach it again. Once you know how to handle storms gather. Sometimes you know, some storms gather, sometimes you see it. There are things you can do with storm. Number one, you can ask it to blow away. Number two, you can ask your ground to be strong enough that when the storm strikes, it will not blow you away. Or number two, you know, you can ask it. There are three things that can happen to storm. We'll come back to that another day. Life is about storm. So all this example about storm, just to tell you, they are replicas of what we are going through. Is somebody making sense out of that? But after long abstinence, another storm on the sea. Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Paul the apostle. And not have said from Crete and incurred this disaster alone. Because told them, said, don't set out. But greed did not allow them. They wanted to make money. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. But only of the sheep. Then verse 23. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. What made the difference so that Paul was not afraid? What made the difference? God was with him. God was with me. That was the only difference there. Number three, very quickly because of our time. What's number one point again? You have the... Number two, impact or implication of God being with you. You... Number three, the enemy recognizes you and some battles will never come to you. When God is with you, there are some things that won't come to you. 
Sons of Skivas in Acts chapter 19. You won't be able to read that one, Acts chapter 19. If you're taking notes, 11 to 20. You know, uh, you said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? Those who are in God, sometimes we, we don't know that we carry some aura that makes the enemy to run away from us. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12, it's the same thing that happened because Saul knew that this boy was a hot potato. He needs to be very careful the way he deal with them. Number four, very quickly, that's the way it normally happens. Um, some points are shorter than others. So the enemy recognizes you and some battles will never come to you. Number four, your confidence level rises. The more aware of the presence of God in your life, the less conscious of your weaknesses you are. God's presence makes up for the burden of your inherent feebleness. We don't feel down and out when a stronger, greater personality is near us. I hope you know that. Mm. Oh, you don't. Do you know sometimes they've said, I don't know how constantly true that is, that when a team is playing, some good managers, they will field some star players, even though those star players, they may be in their off days. That is, might not be the time they are playing their best. But the mere fact that you know that on the pitch with me today, let's mention their common name, Ronaldo. It raises the level of play of others. I'm using human analogy to tell you. Sometimes when you're on the rig, or sometimes when you're working on a project, I've happened to me before in my skill. So that when you have the big man in the room with you, that's a degree of confidence that comes upon you. Do you know that? You, you, you just have that sense that, look, everything. Maybe you anticipate probably if there's probably the man will fix it. As I had one time, I demand fix it very well. And as a junior colleague had probably one other time and I fixed it. So it's life. That's just it. When you have the big man around you, what happens? You feel comfortable. The biggest of men is Jesus. And if he's there with you, if he's there with you, confidence will rise. The only thing I want us to take away from it, Lord, help me to identify or to be aware of your presence. Amen. Let me be aware of your body that you are with me. Lord, open our eyes. And it takes eyes to be opened. You know that? Why did I say that? Second Samuel chapter, Second Kings chapter, this is how you know Bible verses. Chapter, what did we do? We read it today. Chapter 6. I didn't forget it. Chapter 6, yes. And it made all the difference. And in fact, some children were also very confident in the same, with Elisha, the same man, in 2 Samuel, I think chapter 4 that was, when they were going to build a new place, they said he should go, in fact, it's the same chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Just to tell you that presence matters. 2 chapter 3. And the sons of prophets said to Elisha, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Verse 2, please, very quickly, just want to read that. Verse 2. As he hung, okay. So anyway, he was, um, they asked him, they said, please, go with us. Go with us. And they were very clever to have done that because when they got there, there was trouble. You remember? When the axe head fell into the water and the man of God had to bring it back. It is important our confidence level will rise. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. The Paul the Apostle was saying that my force appearing, nobody was with me. Somebody left me at my first defense. No one stood with me, but all forsook me. May he not be charged against them. In verse 17. Verse 17. But the Lord stood with me. Hallelujah. And strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully throughout and all the Gentiles. So even at the point of death, you could comfortably say, I finished my race. I've done everything. This man was about to be beheaded you know, a few days from that time. He said, look, all is well. There's nothing to worry about. Why? God was with him. His confidence level was high. And that's why I was able to say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ. Ooh. Number five, you are covered with grace. You are covered with grace. No matter how diligent a person is, the final hurdle of fear is the fear of eventualities of what may go wrong after you have done everything. That's our greatest fear. We go to exam. Lord, I've read everything. You know, I hope they don't bring a question where I didn't. I've not prepared. Going for interview. Now everything is said. I've done practice, practice. But hey, that little fear is there. If you don't have it, most likely you won't even succeed anyway. That degree of apprehension is always there. But that's where grace comes in. That's why all that you get must not be based on what you have done. There must be the extra cover from God. And that is only happening when you now say, "Now I've done all I can do. I'm going in with God." Amen. If I'm going in with God, it can bring points to my head that I've never remembered before. If I'm going with God, even if I planned this, plan this event or planned this program, everything that the enemy may throw at me will not work. As I'm going into this marriage, no matter what eventually that may come, I shall come out of it well. 
That's what it means. Hallelujah. There are examples in the Bible of people that enjoy grace. If you go from Joseph in 39, chapter of Genesis, verse 3, Genesis 39, verse 3, when he was favored in the house of Potiphar, and that marked the rest of it. And Potiphar said, I know God is with you. And so the man enjoyed favor. Or you go to Samuel, that's where, uh, David, that's where I read before. Or you go back to Jacob in Genesis 28, verse 15. 20 to 21, all these people, they had one thing in common. They enjoyed grace of God, making up for their deficiency. Nobody can have all the I's t- or, uh, dotted and all the T's crossed. Grace must be needed. Can I hear me now to that one? And let's just take one of Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. That gives a clear-cut example of how the difference is made when God is with a person. Make the difference. That's why you don't need to fear. So this is the first chapter or first message we are really preaching on help. The month of divine help. And we're laying this foundation that fear must go out of the window. Amen? And God spoke unto Joshua and said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, uh-huh, so I will be with you. So the man will quickly check, how was God with Moses? You know that was with him? Went to the mountain. His face was shining. He sent me to go and fight the Amalekites. And he would just quickly play through his mind. He said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Oh, did God come through for him? Absolutely. I thought you got to Joshua chapter 4 verse 14. Oh, God came through for him. Just as God said, on that day. Somebody say, on that day. And that day will be today for you. On that day. The Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all, and they feared him or revered him as they had revered or respected Moses. Just as God said, as I was with Moses, I will. So whatever result Moses got, you will. But God is telling us today, as I was with Jesus, I will be with you. It takes to believe in it. You believe it. You will see the fruit of it in the name of Jesus. Fear not, God is with you. Amen? Fear not, God is with you. Fear not, God is with you. He will help you. And you can never and shall never be disgraced. Reason being that where grace abounds, disgrace absconds. Where grace abounds. Ah, I don't joke with God's grace. I work hard. Ah, you know, I love First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. I love it a lot. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Though I work more hard, I work better than them all. Yeah, thank you. Uh, by the grace of it was not in vain. But though I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I that labor, but the grace of God which was with me. Don't joke with grace. And that grace only comes when God is with you. But be sure God is with you. Before we take the only two prayer points we have. Amen? Be sure what? Some people think that God is with them. It may not be all. If you have not really submitted your life completely to Jesus, the Bible did not back that statement that God is with you. The true God is with you. And you may be risen remotely. You may be in the room. You will have a private moment that you just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. It will serve you well. To let us know that you made that decision. And maybe when they are passing off in basket around, just put your hand, you especially fill the form for me. Usually I contact you and I'll pray with you in greater detail. But I want it to be a solid decision. Or you want to return to the Lord. Do that. And then you can be sure that all the benefits we've mentioned today will be ours. While the rest of us, as we rise up to pray two prayer points, fear. We be strange in that we be a strange phenomenon in our lives, and we shall be helped. You know, fear over that child, you know, fear life is our portion, not death, progress, our portion, not retrogression, victory in that marriage is our, is our portion in the name of Jesus. Poverty shall not, shall, shall not, shall not, re, shall not oppress you. The greatest oppressor in the world is poverty, the spirit of poverty. God will lift your head up. Amen. And above all, 
Spiritual emptiness will not be your Lord. She's going to cry to the Lord today and say, Father, please be with me all the days of my life. He's already with you. His presence must not depart from you. The Bible says, departed from Saul. He will not depart from you. Be with me all the days of my life. Be with me. Be with my family. Be with my business. Be with my career. Be with my ministry. Cry unto the Most High God. Be with me all the days of my life. Be with me. Be with me. Be with me. In the name of Jesus. And let your mighty hand rest upon me like never before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, don't joke with that. It made all the difference. Because in the place that we read, if you just, you know, put Genesis 28, verse 20 on the screen. Genesis 20, verse 20. That may be a good one for us to pray with. Genesis 28, verse 20. Please put it on the screen. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Come on, let your amen be very sound. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, confidence levels must rise. Oh, it must rise in the name of Jesus. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, if God will be with me. You remember also, Jabez prayed something, a prayer like that. You remember? First Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 10. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. You're going to pray that very well today. It makes all the difference. When you see a person do well, it's because God will. Jew, when he talks, he said, Well, I know God is here. You heard him say that before. It's one of the opening things. I know God is here. He said, Why? He said, When I started ministry, God said, Wherever you go, I will. It's the sweetest thing to be able to say. And trust me, there's a level of confidence in you when you know God is with you. We can settle that today for our own lives too. We can be that sure. Going into that office, they have planned everything against you. Just, no, I know God is with me. Uh, First Chronicles, I mean. I said Corinthians. We should know that. <laughs> Jabez is not in Corinthians. First Chronicles, sorry. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Order you will, and uh, that your... Did you hear that? That what? Your hand will be... And then he concluded that I may not cause pain. And so God granted him what he was. Top of his request that your hand will be with me. Jacob prayed in 28th chapter of Genesis. He said, if you will be with me, you will pray it 30 seconds more. Say, Father, all the days of my life, be with me. Let me be aware of your presence. In my life, in the name of Jesus. I thought you were going to pray that with all your energy. It makes all the difference. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. When I'm afraid amongst my mates, when I'm afraid concerning my exams, when I'm afraid about my future, when I'm afraid about one thing or another, Lord, above all, be with me. And let me be aware that you are with me. Makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. In the name of the Lord Jesus, be with me. I plead with you, my God. I plead with you. Be with me. That means we be with my body. The blessing I'm believing you for, because you are with me, there will be the manifestation of that blessing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' marvelous name, we are praying. Finally, you say the name of Jesus, the yoke of fear. And the bondage of terror shall be broken in my life today in the name of Jesus. The yoke of fear and the bondage of terror shall be broken in my life. In the life of my children, the life of my wife, in the life of my brethren. The yoke of fear and the bondage of terror shall be broken. Because he that fears cannot reach their goal. Oh yes, Lord, I'm loose from the grip of fear. He said there are some people in their bondage to death all the days of their life. That is their fear, fear of death all the days of their life. He said they are in bondage unto you. The terror of the bondage that brings terror. Oh God, break it, break it, break it today. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Father, Lord, we thank you. 
you have been good unto us. And in light of that, we have come to your house again today to receive refreshing, a new level of confidence in you. Amen. That it shall definitely be well with us. Amen. And so, Lord, we thank you for being with us. Amen. We ask that we always be with us. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And no more fear. No more gripping fear. No more terror. In the name of the Lord Jesus. The things we have covered before. Uh, we have covered. Instead of saying, Lord, see me. See me. See, see, see me. Ah, Lord, I pray. We shall not come to open this grace in the name of the Lord Jesus. Family issues. We can't tell anybody. And the fear of it is driving us. But today, today, in the name that's above every name, as you will be standing by our side, all those problems shall be swallowed by your grace in the name of the Lord Jesus. And every form of retrogression will flee from us. And Jesus Christ will be glorified. Those of you who have your word, your word in your heart have been saying, Oh Lord, how long? Oh Lord, how long? The Lord said he has heard your cry. Mm, specifically, you know, might be one or two people here, there might be somebody here, the Lord is saying, your word is, Oh Lord, how long? The Lord says, no more longer. Amen. Your time of visitation is now. Receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus. No more delay. No more waiting. This month of divine help, you can't do it. You've tried. You've run left, right, and center, up and down. Even where you should not have run or should have run. But God says your time of visitation is now. Receive it in the name of the Lord. And return with your testimony. It is settled. And the name of the Lord is glorified. And some of you, when you walk, it's as if somebody is pressing your head down. The Lord says, I'm the lifter of your head. Your head shall be bowed no more. Sometimes you physically see that after you have worked inside world, inside or inwardly, you know that you are feeling as if you are bent. But sometimes when you are walking, you look at yourself, you know it really that comes to the physical. The Lord says, your head is lifted today. And it shall be bent no more in the name of the Lord Jesus. There are some of you, you feel that you are losing grip of situation. It seems as if you are no longer in control. I'm not talking of evil control. That everything is slipping away from you. The Lord asked me to tell you that from beginning from today, every sense of loss of control will go away. And with Jesus behind you, you are back in control in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. And some of you, your heart cried the moment as the words were coming from is that, Lord, I just want you to touch me. If you are that person, the Lord says, I'm touching you now. Some of you, mainly for the work of healing on you. The Lord says, I'm your healer. I'm your healer. God told you sometime before somebody here concerning enlarging you to be very wealthy. And you have lost hope. In fact, you have said, if I can just get by. The example I gave you about Moses missing out struck you when I gave it. The Lord asked me to tell you, grace will cover it for you. And I will bring you back to the place of restoration in that area in the name of Jesus. He will revisit that promise. It will make it happen. Amen. You are now wiser. Amen. And you will deal with it better. Amen. Because today you will hear his voice again. Amen. And he will perform it for you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's begin to give thanks unto the Lord. Blessing, worshiping, all that you have received. The spirit of the Lord is still talking. And receive of him even more and more in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. 
Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.